0: covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley.
1: Welcome in to another episode of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'll be with you as uh, we've got a lot to get into here on this week's edition. A couple guests going to be uh, on the show as we uh, do our minor league report. We're going to be very happy to go down on the farm with uh, Chris Harris, the uh, broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers, the AA affiliate of the Brewers. First time we'll get Chris onto the program. And uh, we'll also do our social media roundtable this week. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Jim Goulart from uh, BrewerFan.net, which is uh, just a a spectacular website. And I'll tell you what, Jim comes up with some of the, uh, the nuggets he comes up with. I go, how in the world... Did he even find that? And we're going to try to find that out from him coming up here in uh, just a little while. We'll go through the headlines of the week as well. As we uh, look back at the week that was, spring training is underway. As I record this on Sunday, three spring training games are in the books. The Brewers won their first game against uh, UWM, and then since then have uh, fallen a couple games. But again, you know, the the scores and the wins and the losses – all that really doesn't matter, especially this early in spring training. Yeah, Even the individual performances don't matter that much. These games this early on, before we're even into March, these are games where it's just about getting guys out and uh, getting them in shape and being able to you know, get things loose. And then you can really start to judge guys uh, coming up uh, later on. You know, that first game, though, that they played. They played against the UWM Panthers. And uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, they are the only Division I program in the state of Wisconsin that has baseball. And it is very important to Craig Council and the Brewers organization that they continue to play this game against UWM to open up their spring training as kind of a nod to, uh, to UWM and that Panthers baseball program for, for what they do and you know what that's a that's a big deal to those guys being able to go out there and play against the the major league team so kudos to uh, to the Brewers for doing that I was talking with uh, Lane Grindle one of the Brewers broadcasters this week on Wisconsin Sports Weekend and I asked him about it and, and the importance to UWM that they play that game and uh, he talked about that and, and expressed what that game means to UWM.
2: Well oh, I had a- Chance to spend some time with Scott Duffick back in early February before the, the college season began for the Panthers. Um, you know, he was so thankful for this opportunity, and I know that it, it's a big deal to them that they get this chance. I mean, it's such a big deal that look at how they had to arrange the travel to make it work. I mean, it's important to them, and I think it's really important to the state of Wisconsin. Um, certainly to the city of Milwaukee and for for, for youth baseball on up um, because we need to have college baseball in Wisconsin, and UWM provides that opportunity, which is such a tremendous thing. And, um, they have some good players on that team. They have a couple guys that um, are going to have a chance to play beyond college. and So uh, it, it's an important thing for them, and, and I think it's an important thing to Craig Council. I mean, that's the other unique thing about having somebody like Craig Council as your manager, a guy that played college baseball, played at Notre Dame, but also grew up in Milwaukee and uh, understands that this is a cool thing for the whole area. And so it's a fun deal. I hope we continue doing it moving forward.
1: You know, the World Baseball Classic is uh, right around the corner, and the Brewers are well represented both from the Major League standpoint and the Minor League standpoint. Jonathan VR, Willie Peralta, Ernan Perez, Jorge Lopez, Carlos Torres, all guys who are on the 40-man roster who are uh, set to per- uh, participate, Andrew Barbosa, Hiram Brogos, uh, Cody Decker, Wei-Chung Wong are all set to uh, participate, those are guys who are not on the 40-man roster. So, good representation from the Brewers. I had Tommy Stokey from FanRag Sports on uh, on uh, Wisconsin Sports Weekend as well on Saturday, and I asked him about you know, really the future of the World Baseball Classic? Because this was something that started with Bud Selig as the Commissioner of uh, Baseball. Is it really going to continue on with Rob Manfred? We'll have to wait and find out on that. Uh, but from a team perspective, do teams really like having their guys participate in the World Baseball Classic?
2: I, I don't think
3: teams like their players playing in it. I know that they're going to publicly support them, but I think if you ask any manager, any general manager, do you want your player playing in it, Uh, 99% of the time they're going to say no. Um, But overall, I don't know that it makes a huge impact, I mean, especially for position players. Those guys are already getting ready. Um, I I know Joey Votto isn't playing in it because he said that he wants to be in better shape,
2: Um, but Paul Goldschmidt put a lot of thought into it for his decision to play, so... You get different perspectives on people doing it. I know that the United States is trying to make it a bigger priority than it's been in the past, and so you know we'll see what happens this year. If they don't perform
3: this year they don't play well, maybe True. the True. the top guys are saying, well, it's not worth it because even when we all do play, we don't win anyway.
1: Again, that was Tommy Stokey, and if you want to hear uh, any of those conversations either with Lane Grindle or with Tommy Stokey from Wisconsin Sports Weekend, you can always check that out for yourself at uh, WTMJ.com. But here on this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, uh, we're going to be joined uh, coming up here in just a few minutes actually by uh, Jim Goulart from uh, BrewerFan.net. We'll talk uh, all things Brewers from top to bottom throughout the entire organization with him and we'll also have chris harris from the
0: biloxi shuckers on out uh, later on the program as well it doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of a summer or winter there's always news about the brewers let's look back at the week that was with matt's headlines of the week
1: brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile does roll on as we do our headlines of the week you know from a from a perspective of games getting started, that's, that's the big headline and uh, they open up their uh, spring training play against uh, UWM on Friday with a win and then Cactus League play started uh, this past Saturday. It will continue uh, throughout the week and outside of that, I mean right now, and this is a good thing to say, if you don't have big news, big headlines in the first week of spring training, generally that means there haven't been any injuries, things are just kind of rolling along, everything's in good shape, especially this year with the the World Baseball Classic, where things are getting started a little bit early. Uh, we do see Scooter Jeanette playing in the outfield. And uh, Craig Council the other day when asked about, he, he played in the outfield uh, in the first spring training game. And when Craig Council was asked about how Scooter Jeanette looked in left field, he said he looked like a left fielder. And I can tell you that is about the best compliment that you can get in terms of you know Scooter trying to make this team as a utility player. He's no longer going to be the everyday uh, second baseman. He played at uh, third base a little bit. Uh, there's questions about his arm strength and what he's going to be able to do there. He is taking early work every single day, essentially, as he tries to work on the outfield and work uh, over at third base, and he is not going to play uh, any second base until much, much later. In spring training, speaking of not playing for a while in spring training, that's going to be the case with uh, Ryan Braun. The tentative schedule at that point uh, has him not participating in any Cactus League games until March 10th. He says from a batting standpoint, he's essentially ready to go right now but uh, he still got some other things. He, you know, just, uh, he talked about wearing the cleats and being able to read the ball off the bat in the outfield and taking the routes and things like that. Those are the things that he feels like he needs to work on during the course of spring training. Not so much the hitting standpoint as he thinks he's ready to go. So expect to see him play in some Cactus League games coming up uh, March 10th or so. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys to play and that's always true in spring training but that's probably even more so true this year. Uh, you got guys leaving for the World Baseball Classic. That's going to open up some spots for some young guys. Ryan Braun isn't playing much, so you got other young guys who are going to play. We've already seen a spring training game with Lewis Brinson hitting two home runs. We've seen a spring training game with Ryan Cordell driving in four runs. So some of these young guys who, you know, we might not view at this point as really contending for a spot on the Major League roster for this year. They're going to get the chance to uh, open up some eyes as they go forward. From a Major League Baseball standpoint, the one bit of news this week uh, was the fact that baseball is eliminating the need for pitchers to uh, throw four pitches outside of the zone for an intentional walk. There's now going to be some sort of signal that can be given, and a batter will be allowed to take first base uh, without the four pitches. Uh, baseball's trying to say this is a pace of play stuff and trying to hurry up games. With all due respect to Rob Manfred, and I appreciate what Rob Rob Manfred is trying to do in terms of speeding games up, this is going to have little to no impact. I mean, when you start considering the fact that there's an intentional walkout, you know, one out of every three or four games, and you're going to sit there and you're going to save 10, 12, 13 seconds by having them... Uh, just go over to first base when you divide the fact that there's a you know an intentional walk every third game or every fourth game and then you take the entire intentional walks and however much time that's saved and then you divide it out by uh, all the major league games this season it's going to speed up games two, three seconds, something like that. It's really not going to make an impact but uh, things are, uh, I think this is just the first step. Uh, we could very easily see uh, some of the rules that are already being used in the minor leagues come in at some point. The pitch clock is is a possibility. And I was someone, I worked in minor league baseball for many years. I was someone who was very much against the pitch clock uh, before I ever saw it in use. Once I saw it in use, I didn't really think it impacted the game very much. It does speed things up a bit. So we'll see if that happens in future years. The idea that a batter cannot step out of the box unless they, uh, when if there's a pitch that's thrown that is received by the catcher, that a, at that point, the batter cannot step out of the box. You can only step out of the box if you foul a pitch off. That's a rule that could come into existence at some point, and that would speed some things up as well. So while the intentional walk rule probably won't speed things up, it probably just uh, shows us that more rule changes are going to come as we move forward.
0: After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable and it starts now.
1: Brewers fans have an incredible resource on the internet it's a website brewerfan.net, and you find some things on this website that, quite honestly, you cannot find anywhere else. So, if you are a hardcore Brewers fan, uh, th- there's some there's some cool stuff on there. And more often than not, uh, the guy that's behind finding some uh, cool little nuggets is uh, Jim Goulard. He's the uh, director of research. He's really their uh, their lead minor league guy, uh, covering uh, all aspects of minor league baseball in the Brewers system, even the uh, the winter stuff. What we'll, we'll get into to all that, but let's welcome it in right now. Hey, Jim, appreciate taking a few moments. Thanks for coming on uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast.
4: Matt, thanks for having me. If uh, your listeners can put up with a Massachusetts accent for a few minutes, um, much appreciated.
1: Yeah, you know what, you you bring that up. So uh, before we get any further, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this right now who follow you on Twitter, who who check out the website, who see everything that you put on, and and don't even realize that uh, you're out east. How in the world is a guy in your geographic location so involved and so locked into what's happening with the Brewers?
4: I'll try to be brief, but um, basically, uh, you know, growing up, I what, my dad was a big hockey and football guy, but I found myself drawn to the, the sport of baseball at a pretty early age. and But I was kind of drifting on my own with, with that part of my uh, fanhood. And um, although all my other allegiances are to the New England teams here, um, I happened to go, I think it was age oh my goodness, age 10, I believe, to the local variety store. And in addition to baseball cards back then, they sold these baseball stickers. And I bought a pack, and to tell you the truth, back then I guess there were 28 teams. It could have been one of any 28 teams. It was the Brewers. I made myself this cool T-shirt that I started wearing around. And then next thing you know, I'm just, back then the Brewers win the American League East. So I had access to about 30 games a year on TV and radio with against the Red Sox and Yankees who were also um, available to me here in Southeastern Mass. So I followed it through box scores in the newspapers and uh, the sporting news back in the, mm-hmm. those days was a wonderful resource and here we are, my goodness, 40 years later and um, I am um, it's been a big part of my life. My wife is pleased because it's a fairly inexpensive hobby, to tell you the <laughs> truth. To follow this team from afar, um, my real fanhood developed um, with the '78 team. In fact, my my online uh, screen name of Mass Haas is a, an homage, of course, to Moose Haas, who uh, in 1978 I listened on my transistor radio as he struck out 14 uh, Yankees that day, and. Um, Unfortunately, he, he was injured for the most of the rest of that year. But that 78 team, people don't realize, uh, won 93 games and finished third in the AL East behind the Yankees and Red Sox that year. So um, it was uh, a good time to grab onto the Brewers. They guided me certainly through the, uh, the early 80s. And, and ever since then, well, the Internet is what really allowed this stall to develop further.
1: Well, and to take that one step further, you go to brewerfan.net, and I certainly hope that nobody listening to this thinks I'm taking shots at any other blog because, I mean, the, the Brewers and Brewers fans are so lucky to have so many people out there, um, you know, writing about the team and delving into the team. That's why I enjoy doing this segment each week uh, where we talk to uh, some folks that, that that write so much. But uh, brewerfan.net's a little bit different, and specifically the stuff you find is a little bit different. Uh, there's a lot more, I guess, minutiae is a word that you used earlier when we were talking before we got on the air uh, can you talk to me a little bit about uh, brewerfan.net and and what you guys do and, and why it's maybe a little bit different
4: sure um we're actually heading into our 17th year it's been quite a ride back when we'll call the internet i guess an adolescent time and it's uh, in its history about uh, the year 2000 2001 uh, there was a young man. Uh, Toby Harmon, who's still with us today at BrewerFan, and he was making use of the, what was you know, the ESPN forums at that time to put out what he considered a, a, a Power 50, he called it. Um, so he was ranking BrewerFan prospects uh, perhaps earlier than the proliferation that we see today. Hmm. And then along came another gentleman by the name of Brian Kapalush and he put the infrastructure together of the website BrewerFan.net, And in those early days, in addition to hosting uh, Toby's Power 50, which was basically almost a a weekly update, it was incredible at the time, um, Brian put the the website together in such a way that, yes, we did have original content, but the real backbone was a fan forum that we wanted to have, in which we promised our readers and our posters moderation, civility, um, but just great Brewer talk, some of it on the, some of the cutting edge of the early statistical analysis, and it's, it's just grown from there. And um, I can talk about it in a second here, but the, the link report was something that I grabbed onto so that um, we needed a place to just document the minor league activity on a nightly basis. And uh, we've been doing it now for 17 years and uh, looking forward to what should be an exciting summer this year. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just tell you a little bit more about the link report itself. Sure. Okay. Well, um, in those early days, we were basically just taking the box scores, posting links to them, and doing some self-analysis. Um, to this day, we still try to go you know, find those little nuggets within the box score that people might not comment on, you know, if they just glanced at it, but as you can imagine back then, that was about all we got, and now with the development and the progression of the internet, especially with your history in, in Colorado Springs, Matt, you know now that those broadcast teams at all the affiliate outposts and the what, MILB.com in, in association with Major League Baseball Advanced Media, we now have archived Pre-game interviews, um, archived highlights. Uh, we have game summaries that are professionally written. I mean, it's, it's just developed so much in the, in this decade and a half since we began. And what we just try to do is that we're, we're collectors more than anything else. And we, we, I have a dedicated team that works with me. I, I certainly couldn't do it alone. But well. Our goal is, is that if you're a Brewer fan and you're a, a diehard who wants to learn more about the minor league kids, well, you can pretty much know that as you're having your breakfast at, let's say, 6 a.m. Central Time, you'll be able to go to the report, and not only will you just get the scores and stuff, you'll get some analysis, but you'll also get now these interviews and uh, game summaries that just provide so much more than they did even, even five years ago.
1: So the thing that I I enjoy, and um, everything you just said is really cool and I think it's great for Brewers fans, something – you sometimes you go a little bit deeper than even what you just said because, like you mentioned, I mean, you can you can go to the Sky Sox website, you can go to the Shuckers website, and find out information. But Jim, you at times find, especially this is a great time of the year to talk about it because we're just coming off winter ball. I can't believe how often you were able to get uh, nuggets and, and and some video and and anecdotes from from winter ball stuff that just isn't out there. How in the world do you go about finding that stuff?
4: Um. Believe it or not, and and contrary to some perception out there, I I do sleep. (laughs) Um, I do work in IT, so I'm a little familiar with just some of the routines I have. And basically over time, you just get really good at at Google search and Twitter search if you know what to look for. And MILB.com and MLB.com actually do a pretty good job of making um, winter ball information available. Um, But I am... I don't want to say proud is the right word, but um, for instance, I think it was one night when I started uncovering tweets that Junior Guerra was preparing to take part for his Venezuelan Winter League team, and of course, he's pitched there for for many years. And some of these tweets were in Spanish, but you can you know Google you know Twitter Translate and such. And I was like, wait a minute, because I hadn't heard boo about the Brewers giving permission, and, and perhaps they had already communicated this to Junior, who knows. But in a small way, I kind of feel responsible for bringing that to light, and then within a day or two later, the Brewers are kind of putting a kibosh on that. And it, it is fun to unco- uncover things like that. We had Hernan Perez winning a batting title, and you know maybe without me and a few others that, that work so diligently on these things, maybe those things don't come to light quite the way they, they can. I mean, Tom Hodgica, Adam Mccalvey, they do a great job, let's face it. But um, if I have the time and the uh, ability, and it is a labor of love, it's an unpaid labor of love, um, to uncover something like this, That that's fun. Um, the off-season is actually a pretty easy time to, to find these things. Um, we uncovered... I don't break news, but what I have found in the past is that I've been able to discover news, and uh, believe it or not, there was a Reddit posting earlier this year that um, somebody worked in a service industry. I don't know exactly how, but they knew that Tommy Malone was in town, and as the brewers picked up his tab, he made a comment online that, well they would only do that if, if Malone would it signed. Right. So I, I just brought that link to people's attention. And then within two days we have a signing that wasn't just a minor league signing, but actually a, a major league signing. And I'm not sure the Brewers always appreciate it, but it's not done in malice. It's, it's done in good fun. And, um, in fact, uh, I've got contacts in the Brewers front office that, um, A very respectful both ways, and uh, it's a nice little, as I said, a nice little hobby for me.
1: So let me—you're—you're so deep into kind of the the news and notes of of what's going on. Uh, Do you how much time do you actually spend on watching the the big league team? Are you watching every game? On oh my goodness, you are okay.
4: People might not. Yeah, no, no, that's a great question. Um, Believe me, as far as actually watching the games, the big league team will always supersede um my fandom for the affiliates so if they're on that night um i'm watching them with the mlb package um whether it's uh you know wherever i might be um i'd probably watch you know 140 150 of the games during the course of the year um my wife's very patient. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's, a, she's a nurse, I tuck her in early often, so um, I get a chance to uh, enjoy And Of course, the games are on an hour later out here than what you folks uh, see. But um, now, I do bring it to light in the link reports, and I, I'm sure that the minor league folks appreciate this um, quite a bit, but we make it very clear in our daily reports if you're interested in checking out any of the affiliates, here's the link to the audio broadcast. Here's on who, here's the teams that are on MILB TV tonight. Um, we're very fond of our broadcasters. I find personally that you can learn more in a pregame taped interview. Than you can in in any hometown story or game report you might see from the local newspaper. I mean, maybe not the whole interview was a score, but you're going to learn something in that, um, you know, little five minute clip that you may not have known about a pitcher who's working on something specific or uh, just it's been so much fun in in so many ways that way. Um, I was going to bring up real briefly that let's take a look at like Jacob Barnes. Who is just came on the scene last year and looks like he could be a bullpen stalwart for the Brewers for several years to come. And I don't want to even downplay it by saying the casual fan, but the, the fan who's been with us along the way might remember the Jacob Barnes from the Timber Rattlers a few years ago. Wow, that's the guy who's back, who's up now, who could be a future closer. But then when you realize you followed his path on our website the past few years, you just feel a little more invested in the player at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, a Brent Suter, who was a 31st-round pick, Tyler Cravey, a 17th-round pick. And I realize we're not talking about stars, although I think Barnes has the potential to be. But there's just a little more appreciation of your fandom when, you, when you've kind of followed these guys and they're just not popping up on your screen at the last minute.
1: We could keep talking for forever, and, and we're going to get you on future episodes uh, of the program. Before I let you go, though, spring training is just underway. A few games are are in the books. Has anything jumped out to you yet in, in terms of uh, the way this team is playing and anything that's maybe happened during the course of spring?
4: Oh, my goodness. Way too early, but I, I will tell you, um, we lived through the, the, the big highlight for us on the website, and of course, as, as any Brewer minor league fan will tell you, was the whole... Ricky Weeks, Prince Fielder, um, Corey Hart, Giovanni Gallardo, J.J. Uh, J. Hardy years, and that was amazing. What I'm excited about this time around is, is just the, the the depth, the athleticism on the position player side, but it's the arms, it's the Brandon Woodruffs, um, you know, it's the Josh Haters, it, it's just uh, even – Jorge Lopez, I think, still has a chance to really be strong. And these are guys that could be numbered, really have the higher ceiling than we've seen from the pitching standpoint in a long, long time. So that's what I'm really anxious to see um, this spring and beyond, Matt, is I think for once the, the arms uh, could be just as special as, as the position players.
1: Jim, folks can uh, follow you on Twitter. I'm sure many of our listeners already do. Uh, at Mass underscore Haas. Uh, you can be read at uh, BrewerFan.net. Everything that you basically post on there, you always uh, link on the Twitter account. So it- it's great there. But uh, thanks so much for taking some time. And you always, I have to say this, whether uh, whether it's this podcast or whether it's stuff that I do on WTMJ on the station and back when I was with the Sky Sox and doing stuff, you always linked everything. And I'm sure a lot a lot of people have been able to hear my stuff more because of you, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Well, I
4: appreciate it. I'll just wrap up by saying that, um, you know, I w- I'm going to seek out this kind of stuff and, and immerse myself in a Brewer fandom anyway, so why not share it with other people? That's kind of always been my philosophy. I don't know if I offer that many opinions along the way, but if most of my posts are informational and people get some, um, some joy out of following along, then, then good for everybody, I guess. <laughs>
0: The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: The Brewers continue to have their AA affiliate in Biloxi. It is the Shuckers and uh, really playing in one of the best ballparks in all of minor league baseball. A place that everybody who comes up to the Brewers always is very positive about the experience they had when uh, they were at Double A Biloxi, and the guy calling those games uh, is Chris Harris. He joins us right now here on Brewers Extra, and the podcast. Chris, thanks for taking some time for us. Uh, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing well, Matt. I appreciate that, and we appreciate the uh, the kind remarks about MGM Park. We uh, certainly think we have one of the nicest parks in minor league baseball, and uh, you know the guys when they come through uh, Biloxi, always seem to rave when. When they get here and want to come back, that's always nice.
1: How nice is it that when you know half of your games where you're going to work in the off season, the whole nine yards with that, that that your office, your place of work, is really such a, a beautiful ballpark.
3: Well, it's it's nice to have one done. You know, when I was first <laughs> hired. Uh, in Biloxi it was it was still a lot of dirt and, and concrete um and you know it was it was uh, still a dream at that point and then you know moving to the ballpark in 2015 uh, uh of course the four-game road trip that, that was so uh, uh, synonymous around baseball uh that, that season and that that great group that we had you know including Orlando Garcia and Yadier Rochera, uh and all those guys on that team and uh, you know, to get into the ballpark and, and to have, you know, the, the, the city and the, the entire, you know, Mississippi Gulf Coast embrace the team and, and minor league baseball and then you know, have a full season last year and really it finally feels normal around here this year. So we're looking forward to, to year three, the second full season uh, in the ballpark. And uh, it is, you know, we're right there on on the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the Beauvage. Uh, uh, you know, Alexi is the third largest gaming city. To Las Vegas and Atlantic City, so there's 11 resort casinos in uh, like a 10 mile radius of, of the ballpark. Uh, you know, there's a the tall, you know, structure in Mississippi's right behind the outfield wall, providing you know a great backdrop, and uh, it's really yeah, a unique place. I, ensure, I encourage anybody to uh, come on down and enjoy a game.
1: You mentioned the fifty four game road trip back in 2015 and it, it seemed like you couldn't uh, get on like the ballpark digest uh, website any day without there being uh, a new story about what was going on in, in Biloxi. What was it like for you a uh, being on that road trip, but then B kind of having to be the the spokesperson mouthpiece type person yeah. dealing with that whole situation?
3: Um, you ever had that little, little stretch Armstrong doll when you were a kid? Uh, that's kind of how it felt for a while. Uh, you know, to, to be able to, to have like 10 things going at once, you know, you were, you were trying to keep your eyes focused on what was going on in the field. Uh, you know, you, you had to be attention. That was, we were getting every day from, you know, ESPN, you know, had a crew with us for, for most of that road trip. Um, you know you were dealing with things with the brewers you were dealing with things trying to get ready for the ballpark you know so on conference calls and you know on you know looking at skype you know to see what what the press box is going to look like you know where should we put this you know they're, they're putting the final touches on the ballpark um but uh it, it was certainly unique it was something that was uh, you know for the players it, it created a lot of challenges but uh, you know, Carlos Carl you was know, the first base coach was our manager, and uh, he did a great job of keeping the players focused on, on the task at hand every day. And we had a, a winning 12-game over 554-game road trip. And my team uh, was, was uh, very good on the field. Winning makes everything easier. And, and sure, I'm sure because we won, it, it definitely made my life and their lives a whole lot easier.
1: Yeah, that group kind of represents the first wave of this new era of Brewers baseball. Even though that, that group was around prior to the the change of general manager, still that that group represents something. I feel like in the organization. How much have sure. you enjoyed seeing those guys be able? You know, many of those guys go on and have success at higher levels, including a, a, someone like Orlando Arcia.
3: Yeah, and and you know that bullpen, you know, with, with Jacob Barnes, um, you know, Jacob really was, was the third fiddle on that team in the bullpen to, to Magnifico. And then eventually as the season went on to Jonathan Barrios, who the Brewers had acquired from Pittsburgh in the Armas Ramirez trade. Um, but you know, with Orlando and, and Yadiel and, uh, you know, still have that iconic photo of when I, you know, we dropped them off at the airport in Chattanooga and six guys were promoted, uh, to the big league, uh, roster when that season ended, um, but you know Orlando is the guy. If you if you walk around Biloxi and, and you talk to the to the diehard Shuckers fan, who's your favorite former Shucker? They're all going to say Orlando uh, just because of the great defense that he played, uh, his passion for playing the game, uh, the fun he had, and obviously he's you know a one of a kind talent. Um, uh, but that team was was definitely special, and and you know, the that double play combo up the middle with he and, and Yadiel Rivera Barnes, Magnifico, you know, the trades being made late in the year with the Astros and getting Hader and Hauser and Phillips, um, uh, Santana part of that deal with the Triple A. Um, that was that was quite uh, quite the season and, and, and certainly a, a, if you're gonna open a ballpark, open a, a new franchise, that was the way to do it.
1: The, we're uh, talking, by the way, with uh, Chris Harris. He is the broadcaster uh, for the Biloxi Shuckers, the AA affiliate of the uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers. Here on uh, Brewers Extra Innings of the podcast, when um it's a it's a weird situation right now in terms of where when a pitcher at the big league level, when they don't have a ton of success, where they should be sent to. And I I spent six years working in Colorado Springs, one of which was the first year with the Brewers affiliation. So I'm well aware of the challenges in Colorado Springs. I'm of the belief that Colorado Springs is a benefit for pitchers on the way up and it's anything but a benefit on somebody on the way down trying to get right. Mm -hmm. Do you get the sense that maybe we'll see more big league guys being sent down to double A instead of triple A in terms of pitchers who maybe need to work on things?
3: I think it's possible. Um, I I think it's probably going to be more on a case-by-case basis. Um, I, it is. It's a challenge, and then last year we had uh, a handful of guys that witnessed the horrifying effects of what Colorado Springs can do to you. Uh, Jorge Lopez, uh, you know, who was the League pitcher of the year, uh, had an unbelievable season in 2015 and, and seemed to just lose it uh, early in the season in Colorado Springs, the other being uh, Taylor Youngman, who, who was that scenario you just brought brought up with, you know, coming down from Milwaukee, went to Colorado Springs, uh, and it was just a nightmare for him. The other was Brooks Hall, who maybe not as many people have heard of, but, you know, not making it the big leagues, um, but had some of a similar situation happen. And all three, when they got to Biloxi, uh, I'll, I'll credit our, our great pitching coach, Chris Hook, because he's one of the best, but, but to get to Biloxi in a place where it is more fair uh you know, especially early in the season, when you're in April and May, and you're you're not getting 60 degree weather consistently until June, uh, it is it is a significant challenge. And and for people, they think, well, it's just the higher elevation, the balls traveling. But you know that movement on your breaking pitches uh, is extremely affected by that high elevation. And and early in the season, that cold air doesn't help either in development. And you're going from Arizona to Colorado Springs, but uh, I think it'll be more on a case-by-case basis. You know, I'm really curious what's going to happen here in the next month on um, the guy who was our best pitcher last year, Brandon Woodruff. Um, if he has a good spring, not good enough, maybe to uh, you know to jump into say the big league rotation. Let's just go crazy for a second. You know, does he go to Colorado Springs or does he come back to Biloxi? He's he's a native of Mississippi, so it would make sense for him to come back here, maybe for a little bit of time, but I'm more of the opinion, I think he might potentially come back to Biloxi uh, and you keep maybe the, the, the veteran guys uh, as a part of that rotation in Colorado Springs, but it's unique. Um, I, I think nobody hides from the fact that it's uh it's challenging, not the best situation, but um, you know, I think David Stern's made mention of it uh, recently. It, it's something that uh, any pitcher has to, to learn from and and find a way to be successful
1: absolutely uh we're still a little ways out from minor league camp officially getting underway we're more than a month Mm -hmm. away from the season getting started but all that being said have you are you doing the thing where you you look back at you know guys that were in in brevard or uh in appleton last year and kind of putting together your 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 mental dream list of, of some of the guys that might be in biloxi this upcoming season
3: Oh man, absolutely. I, I, I think that's something as soon as the season ends, I, I start kind of getting in my mind and, and I'm actually in the middle with, with our blog here, Shrug dynasty of uh, projecting our roster. And, and I've done uh, the starting rotation. I've done the, the bullpen. I've done the infield and I've got outfield left, which is maybe the biggest challenge. But, um, I think for, for our roster this year, I, I think, um, we're going to see a lot of guys coming back. Um, you know, you look at, at the rotation, you know, if, if Woodruff comes back, you know, he would be repeating, uh, you know, you have uh, Angel uh, Ventura, you have Jorge Ortega, uh, Luis Ortiz, who is one of the top young prospects, will be coming back to, to anchor that rotation. Um, the bullpen should have, you know, some some pretty good arms in it out there, a lot of repeats, guys that went to the Arizona Fall League. Um, Javi Salas could be in the bullpen, could be in the rotation, Taylor Scott, Tyler Sperlin, um, a lot of some flamethrowers out there. Preston Ganey, he's a guy I think you know folks should have to keep their eye on. He throws upper nineties from Navy. Josh Ewan throws hard. Um, uh, the infield and I, I was really uh, uh, happy to see Craig Council on Sunday afternoon uh, confirm that Mauricio Dubon, who was you know picked up in the from the Red Sox, will be the Double A shortstop, and you know, I think he he really will add an exciting mix. You know, not that Angel Ortega or uh, whomever was, was playing shortstop was was not great, but I think DuBon really is is a plus defensive shortstop. His numbers were great last year, especially when he when he got the double A uh in the Red Sox organization. But, you know, to, to bring back Dustin DeMuth, um a good defender in Gabriel Noriega, who can play different positions. Um and I think it has potential. Javier Betancourt, another guy that was acquired in the trade. Uh Jacob Nottingham. Um Guys that have experience at the AA level, and I think are going to be looking to to take some strides in the outfield. You know, Tyrone Taylor could he come back for a third year? But Phillips, um, Clint Colter will be back, you know, who who really, uh, you know, swung the bat really well, and he got promoted from Brevard, where he was you know struggling a bit. Uh, Victor Roach coming off a fractured fibula last year, a you know, big right-handed power bat. So a lot of familiar names. I think we'll see back in Biloxi.
1: You mentioned Brett Phillips and, and, you know, nobody's got the, uh, nobody is a, you know, as can, can read the future, but this is a guy who really took a step back this past year. Does he take that step back forward this upcoming year, and does he get back on that track that he was two years ago?
3: I think we're all crossing our fingers. I think we're all, you know, I don't think anybody out there, uh, doesn't want to see him succeed. I mean, he He's an, he's an unbelievable human being he's got a great personality um last year it was just his approach at the plate um for whatever reason just was not leading to a lot of success and a lot of strikeouts um you know his his attack on the strike zone um was 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 not there and the strikeouts kept mounting up uh especially late in the season um he's made a lot of changes with his approach at the plate during the off season um and, you know, I, he's another one of those guys. Will he come back to double A for a third season? And, and we'll see over the next, uh, you know, few weeks. But, you know, for Brett, when you look at what he brings to the table, and he's a good outfielder, solid outfielder, uh, the one thing I can really say definitively that he's really, really good at is he has a great arm. Uh, other than that, he really has not. You know done the things that you would say would graduate a player from from double a shown flashes of power uh he's shown flashes of, of running the bases you know exceptionally, but just really has not done things consistently at this level and um hopefully you know wherever he starts the year this year he can get off to a to a great start because um uh, you know nobody nobody wants him to succeed I mean anybody doesn't want him to succeed and um, I think he's gotta figure out what kind of player he is. You know, is he that player that's gonna be a top of the order guy that, that runs, hits for average, flashy power. Uh he's gonna be a right fielder that hits, you know, towards the middle of the lineup and produces a lot of runs. You know, we, we still haven't yet to see really what he truly is as a player.
1: Well, Chris, we could we could go on and on for a while, and uh, we're going to hopefully uh, get you on the program here uh, every month or so. But uh really appreciate you taking a few moments with us today and uh, encourage everybody uh, as the season gets started. I think we'll talk to you again at least once before the actual season gets started. But folks, of course, can uh, listen to games and watch them on or, or, uh, TV and everything. So uh look forward to being able to work with you a little bit more during the course of this upcoming season.
3: Absolutely. Once again, uh Hopefully uh, folks can get a chance to come down and
4: see us and uh, go Brewers.
1: Chris Harris, the broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers, joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. starting to wrap up this edition of the program. I do want to remind you, if, uh, if you have any feedback uh, on the program, if you ever want to talk Brewers with me, you can always do so by tweeting at me, at Matt Pauley Radio. That's M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Always enjoy uh, chatting Brewers with folks, and uh, follow me as well, as uh, there's a lot of Brewers stuff that uh, that I tweet out and more. More as we get closer and closer to uh, to the regular season and getting things going. Speaking of getting things going, the radio broadcast on uh, six twenty WTMJ they will start this week. Bob Eucher, Jeff Levering, Lane Grendel all part of the uh, all part of the broadcast coming up here in spring. We'll have our first spring training broadcast coming up. Uh, this Wednesday that is Wednesday, March first, so this Wednesday, in terms of uh when I'm recording this, and uh, if you're listening to it after march first, don't worry you've got many more opportunities in the course of uh the next week before uh, I come at you with another edition of Brewers x Trainings, the podcast we'll have uh so wednesday March first two o five uh broadcast that game is against Cincinnati, then we'll have another spring training game on saturday, March fourth they'll take on uh texas that's a two o five broadcast. Another Peru 205 broadcast on Sunday, March 5th, when they take on Colorado. And uh, we'll continue to have more broadcasts. If you want to check out the broadcast schedule, you can always uh, head to the website, WTMJ.com. And before we know it, it's going to be the regular season uh, as uh, they will open up the year against the Colorado Rockies. That is going to be coming up. On uh, Monday, April 3rd, a 110 broadcast, and well, not 110 broadcast, a a one ten first pitch, as uh, all the regular season broadcasts will be heard on WTMJ. All right, that's going to do it for the program. Uh, Big thanks to uh, our guests today, as we had uh, Jim Goulart on from uh, brewerfan.net, and we also had Chris Harris, the broadcaster from uh, the Biloxi Shuckers, on. We will talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.